0: way to win against the Hawks. Drama, tension, a spectacular and singular effort from the player least expected and an AFL record set. One of the finest performances you will ever see from a small forward, and that was before all the off-field drama even started. This is a Swans Blogs Swanscast, the number one Sydney Swans fans podcast.
1: Yeah, I was a little bit concerned before the game. I walked out of the coach's room, and uh, he was just about to walk in. I asked him where he was going, and he said, oh, I don't know how to get out on the ground. And so, uh... <laughs> I uh, slipped my mind that he hadn't actually been here, so uh, I hadn't played out of these rooms, and so um, to guide him <laughs> to get out in the ground, so I'm glad he found his way when he got out there.
0: In this week's episode, we'll be dissecting the Swans' fantastic eight-point win against the Hawks on Friday night at the MCG. We'll give you our Monday champions and villains, discuss Lloydie's 100th Ben Ronke's spectacular game, Clarko's brain snap, give a quick wrap of the Swans Neapel result, and have Penny answer questions in our three-minute scramble. I'm Justin Mitchell and with me is passionate Sydney Swan supporter Penny Jackson, whose family has followed the swans for more than 110 years. So Penny, you're a third generation South Melbourne Sydney Swan supporter, even before their very first premiership. Tell us a little bit about your journey.
2: Hi Justin, and this is my first podcast, so everyone please do not dislike or disfollow this because of me, (laughs) I'm really sorry. So, my nana grew up in South Melbourne. In nine, She was born in 1907 and was a dedicated South supporter going to the Albert Park Lake. She saw the first Swans premiership in her family in 1933, and I was born into it. I really had no choice, but it's been great, and I love the Swans.
0: Now, your mum is also a Sydney Swans supporter as well, and she's uh, arguably more passionate.
2: Uh, in time, she's... um. She gets a bit nervous during the, the tight games, so she, um, she'll um she run out of the room. She can't stand um watching the close ones, but I think her passion and my nan's passion kind of grew onto me.
0: No, that's fantastic. It's always really good to get an insight into what other Sydney supporters, their journey and their passion and how they follow the club is. And uh, look, my story's a bit different, but uh, we'll get into that another time, so I think it is time to get straight to the top of the agenda. And on today's show, it starts off with Ben Ronk. Now, he has set an AFL record in his third AFL game, and believe it or not, he's still just a rookie. Okay. Penny, what that, did you make of his game?
2: That's crazy. I mean, we saw his potential in the Geelong match, and then he had a bit of a quiet one last week, and maybe the conditions didn't suit him. And you saw him get the first two goals, and you're like, oh, wow, he's on fire. And then they just kept going and going and <laughs> going. And you're <laughs> like, Wow. Where did this kid come from? Why didn't we play him like a year ago?
0: Now, when he kicked his fifth goal, uh, I must say I carried on a bit like a pork chop, yeah, and you I did. uh, didn't realize. Even when he kicked his fourth, I didn't even realize he was our only goal kicker at that point. He kicked seven goals, game high. He also finished with ten tackles, another game high. Seven tackles inside 50, another game high, and from 11 disposals, he was 85, roughly about 85 percent. And he also finished with another game high, 26 pressure acts, and to. Just top it all off, he is now nominated for Goal of the Week, so you can vote for him. And it was his sixth goal of the night when he beat off four different opponents in the four pocket and just basically waltzed in and got us back in the game. And he's also received the NAB Rising Star nomination for round eight. Just how good was that?
2: Oh, that's insane. That's the greatest first game that I think I've seen for a while. And
0: Well, third game, honey, but... Ooh.
2: Um, like third game that you've seen from a new player and all those stats just add up to show how brilliant he was I mean wow
0: yeah he was absolutely fantastic now obviously some swans news came out today when John Longmire had his press conference so Dan Hanbury is looking like a pretty good chance but unfortunately Franklin is out this week, and it's still unknown how serious the injury is. Uh, there's a bit of discussion that it could have been uh, plantar fasciitis, or as I was talking on Facebook, it might even have been deep muscle bruising or potential bone bruising that's keeping him out. Penny, uh, do you think we need him at the moment?
2: Well, we seem to be going pretty well. We've got a couple of lighter games against Fremantle, Carlton, and Brisbane, so... Yeah. They originally said it was going to be four weeks, so it's coming up to the four week mark. I think he's it is out now. Somewhere.
0: Yeah, this is this will back it now four weeks, and there's rumours and whatnot floating around, and people have been talking about whether or not he'll even be back before the bye or the uh, Carlton or St Kilda game. Time will tell. Uh, sooner he gets back, the better I would think.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's a key structure in our forward line, but it's it's good to let the other players. Have their turn. Brock had his turn, and who's going to have their turn this week?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Tom McCartan, maybe, again. Uh, You could always bring in Joel Amarty, I'm not quite sure he's ready. uh, Don't know who he is, but
2: I'm sure I'll learn about him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He certainly needs his kicking boots. His uh, shots at Mm -hmm. goal, I think he'd fit in with the senior team at the moment, spraying them all over the place, but he keeps getting in the good spots. and. McCartan was really good on the weekend.
2: Um, I thought he did some good things. A
0: few people were a little bit critical, but given he's 18 years old, he I think he's the youngest player in the competition. He was certainly the youngest in in the draft. And he took about three or four contestant marks and a massive contestant mark in the last quarter, too, which I thought was really, really impressive. Now, on to our Monday Moment of Madness. Now... This is uh, a bit hilarious, and <laughs> it's a bit bizarre, really. Now, that is Clarko, and he's ranting and raving like a lunatic, like a madman. He's just gone full-blown crazy. You know, you just never go full-blown crazy. He's press conference on Friday night after the match. He had a bit of a crack at the Swans. He said, you know, uh, their defenders get away with boo-murder. On Saturday, he continued his raging rambling of nonsense, basically, picking apart the Swans and Roos game, saying, oh, Rampy had only one choice to defend Ben Brown, and that was defend his body, which anyone who's taught as a defender is actually taught to defend the body as well as the ball. Take the body out if you can legally. And then on Monday, believe it or not, he's uh, had a morning meeting with Gil Lachlan at 7 a.m. and he's brought his laptop and his PowerPoint presentation and he's clicked through a little thing and he's had a bit of a whinge about the umpiring again and the Swans and... I just loved that uh, Longmire, he gave him a whack, gave him a whack on, um, on. Oh, I think it was on Sunday originally, where he was like, uh, it's, we'll have a good laugh about it afterwards, it's probably really nothing to worry about. But then on uh, Monday when he had his co- press conference uh, training and he was told that uh, Clarkson was still rambling on about it and complaining, he uh, gave him a good little whack.
1: Uh, look, it was a strange comment from Alistair, uh, considering the that- previous uh, three times when they beat us by a kick nothing was said Um, and and when you just look at what Hawthorne do they do exactly the same thing so there's plenty of examples of Hawthorne players have a look on the AFL's own website today about uh, Hawthorne doing exactly the same thing so um, yes in the end end, it's uh, it's an important part of the game and uh, just a bit unusual that you can comment on other teams and make session on other teams and what they do and and think yourself and your team does everything absolutely perfectly right.
0: So, yeah, that was uh, John Longmire paying his tribute to Clarkson who's basically turning into a madman, uh, a bit of a parody and character of himself. Um, Penny, what did you think of Clarko's raging rant?
2: Oh, I think he, maybe it's a bit of being... He was a bit of a sore loser. I mean, I didn't actually watch his press conference, so... I've learned when I play netball, I always learned that you defend the player. You don't defend the ball. Yeah, so, exactly. And no, it's an interesting analysis. I mean, if the Hawthorne had won, I'm sure he'd be singing a different... Hawthorne had won, I think Clarkson would be singing a different tune entirely. So,
0: And also Longmire pointed that out after mm. the match when he said back even last year when Hawthorne were getting away with it, mm. he didn't say anything. So, it, yeah, you're right. It all just sounds like uh sore loser, just a whinge for a whinge's sake. And as I said in the talking points after the match, he's just ripped that page straight out of the book of whinging from, from yeah. Chris and Brad Scott, the two whingiest coaches in the AFL.
2: Yeah. Well, the media's gobbled it up and... Given them something to talk about this week, so
0: well, yeah, deflection, at, deflection, it's at best. But now it just sounds a bit idiotic. Now, straight on to our Monday champion. Now, Penny, uh, you haven't gone for a Swans player in this week's Monday champion. Who have you gone for?
2: Well, I thought Ben Ronk was pretty obvious, so I decided <laughs> to go a different player. I went with Stephen Motlop.
0: Really? Why he, is that?
2: He kicked that match-winning goal. I mean, Port Adelaide had done everything to be in front, and then Adelaide came out of nowhere in those last two minutes. Yep. And then Adelaide got in front, and you even heard the commentators say every Adelaide player except for two is in the Port Adelaide forward line. They still managed to get the ball to him and get a goal. I mean, Geelong are probably thinking, wait, why did we let this guy go? Now Port Adelaide (laughs) are thinking he's like their, you know, their new hero. They're going to go out and get Stephen Motlop numbers on the back of their jumpers. Like, he's (laughs) their prodigal son now. He's
0: been their pickup of the season so far. Like There was a lot of talk about Jack Watts and a couple of the other... Players as well, but uh, he's certainly been their best pickup this year.
2: Well, he certainly will be if he keeps going and doing what he's doing.
0: Well, I went the obvious one, of course. I always go pretty much a uh, Swans player or Swans something for the champion of the league. And of
2: course you did.
0: Of course it is easy. (laughs) (laughs) I took Ben Ronk, uh, as you guys would have seen. uh, Obviously, I posted the video on Facebook. Pretty much right after the end of the match, when he kicked that game-winning mark, and uh, we we're pretty much in the box seat for his he kicked last the game-winning quarter performance.
2: Game-winning
0: mark. Yeah, and they kicked the
2: game-winning mark. He kicked
0: the game-winning mark. Well, yeah, he, and he took the match-winning goal. Sure. <laughs> let's uh, let's go back over that, and uh, we'll say he took the match-winning mark and kicked the match-winning goal. There
2: you go. There
0: you go. Yeah, a bit of alliteration there, unintentional. <laughs> but he was fantastic, and uh, look at. Already discussed, top of the agenda. Uh, third game, still the rookie. I'm waiting for the Swans to just uh, chuck him a laundry bag with a dollar sign on it and a, and a blank cheque and say, "Just name your price." Because, Jesus, kid can play. He can. Now, Monday villain, Penny. Who was your Monday villain?
2: I'm really sorry for this because I actually used to work with his girlfriend, but I'm going to go with James Sicily.
0: Oh yeah, I can see this coming. I can see it coming. Please explain why.
2: Well. To be honest, he was a bit of a flog. (laughs) The, The waving of Luke Parker, thinking Luke Parker was going to get suspended. Then Luke Parker kicks the winning goal. Yep. Then he has to have a chat to the umpires because someone went... Someone did something wrong at the end of the game, and you can clearly hear him saying WTF. Yeah, yeah. So, I think he's a bit of a sore loser as well. So, I'm really sorry, Emma, for this, but <laughs> your boyfriend is the villain.
0: Yeah, look, Um. in in that case, he actually did run up to the umpire and you can see his mouth as it moves and it's <laughs> like, oh, wow, jeez, I'm surprised the umpire actually didn't pull him up for that. Perhaps he was having a crack about what happened on the wing, maybe he demanded a 50 meter, you just you just never know.
2: No, you don't know.
0: But uh, people have been saying he's very much like Alistair Clarkson back in the day and... Uh, Look, um, if he's like Alistair Clarkson back in the day, he's pretty much as big of an angry end as he was back then.
2: Who is your villain? And you can't copy me. No,
0: <laughs> no. As much as I want to, and I'm not even going to use Clarker because it's—I've uh, already done it in my Moment of Madness. Uh, believe it or not, Essendon supporters. So I went to the Essendon Carlton game, and uh, Carlton pretty much were the better team on the day, and Essendon just went to water about halfway through the third quarter. And the vitriol and abuse that just in the crowd from the Essendon faithful was unbelievable. Uh, the hatred and disappointed was palpable. It was really quite an unbelievable experience. And then there was a video after the game outside the ground where an Essendon supporter had actually set his jumper on fire. So, <laughs> that, that, that club is just self-destructing at the moment. It is unbelievable just how fast they're going backwards. Uh, i I you just can't go past that I mean that that guy should should never be allowed in a in a football ground again or a football game in my opinion, so
2: every supporter has their fa- every team has their fanatics and, <coughs> yeah, yeah exhibit <laughs> a across the desk for me but um yeah that, that's a bit ridiculous. A week is a long time in football and an asset and knowing they're like are probably gonna come out and smash Geelong next week, and this guy will be thinking. Where's my scarf? Where's my beanie? Esther <laughs> will be laughing because this guy has to spend another 50 bucks to buy a beanie and a scarf, so.
0: Yeah, exactly. Especially if he had signatures on it, he's uh, gone and done the silliest thing he could possibly yeah. do.
2: It's a bit over the top, but... This is why people love their sport and why we all love AFL.
0: Yeah, it's a passionate sport. There's no question about that. Now, we put out a question to our listeners a bit earlier today, and we got some absolutely brilliant responses. We actually got quite a lot of responses, about three dozen responses. And I reckon we could be sitting here for about 10 minutes just reading them out. So I'm just going to read out the uh, the pick of the responses. And the question was, has Clarko lost the plot? First, he blames Longmire. Then the Swans and Rampy. Then he gets the scores wrong. He actually said 10 and 11 goals in two different interviews, despite the fact the Swans kicked 12. Then he chews the AFL CEO's ear off on Monday morning, whinging about the umpiring and the Swans again. Now, Jonathan from Twitter, he said, Clarko isn't real good with scores. It was 10 goals at the presser, 11 goals on grandstand on Saturday. I've seen 10 goals be mentioned in a couple of articles also. I guess they're at the presser and not the game, which is a pretty good one because uh, we kicked 12 goals. <laughs> Zach from Twitter If Longmire had to meet with the AFL CEO Every time we didn't get a free He'd be down in Melbourne every
2: week Exhibit A Last week with that goal review
0: Yeah exactly And ever since then They've uh, been paying Or just reversing those marginal ones Like to the point where there's like a fingertip And it's just reversed Pat from Facebook Mate, Hawks got so many free kicks, too, and they still lost. They actually were ahead. I think it was about uh, 18 or 16 at one point. They still won the free kick count. Betty from Facebook. If he had complained or whinged if the Hawks had won, it would make his argument more substantial. But to me, it's just plainly whinging because he lost and a sore loser. It's a good point.
2: Go, go. Go Betty.
0: Go, Betty. (laughs) James from Facebook. Are the Melbourne-based coaches not getting from the umpires what they paid for? Oh, they did, however, get their money's worth with, with Kizr's non-free kick in the forward pocket, and that was when Ronk kicked his sixth goal, yes. that spectacular one.
2: Those things are going to happen in a game, unfortunately. You're going to get those those ones that should have been, and the ones that are definitely not a free kick, but get a free kick. It's...
0: Oh, yeah. Look, both teams got blocking free kicks for and against them, or Max. side, I don't know what he's whinging about, to be honest. Now, Fran from Facebook, Clarkson, is a friggin' Muppet. <laughs> 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 Cannot disagree with you there. As John said, n- as John said, never a mention of any swans getting away with blue murder when the hawks beat us by a goal in the previous three encounters. Spot on. Now he goes running to the CEO of the AFL about this and apparently other teams. Yeah, he is having an absolute whinge. And she followed up with, "Grow a set and grow up, Alistair. Except that you're out coached and your players are outplayed last Friday. Get over it, you
2: <laughs> I think I like Fred. <laughs> Fran, you're
0: a legend. I reckon Fran gets our comment of the week there. Yeah. Good
2: work, Fran.
0: (laughs) Michelle from Facebook, what a sore loser. And Samuel from Facebook, fancy someone with literally any relation to Hawthorne complaining about the umps. The most protected club in history. Put a lid on it, Clarko. And last one, Dale from Facebook. Has he been hanging out with Bomber Thompson and indulging in some mind-altering drunks?
2: Ooh, Dale. <laughs> Below the belt, Below Dale. the belt.
0: Well, based on his uh, performance and ranting and raving and carrying on in the media, I would say either Kenneth's uh, lit a metaphorical fire up under him, or he's uh, literally lost the plot. So, uh, some good responses there, Penny, to our question to our listeners.
2: Yeah, Fran gets the thumbs up from me because yep. Clarkson is a friggin' muppet. Can we call? Can we call him any? <laughs> oh no, that's the Sesame Street. But, Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Kermit. Now on to our uh, weekend review, Penny. So it was a pretty impressive defensive game. When you look at some of the stats, you'd actually be, uh, I think, surprised at just how much of the ball Hawthorne had, despite the fact they lost the possession count. So, the Swans, in the end, they won uh, the possession count by 52 more disposals. They had 24 more contested and 31 more uncontested, but they had 16 less marks, 10 less tackles. In the end, they finished with 10 more clearances, 8 of them center clearances. But the most important thing, or the most surprising thing for me, is the fact that Hawthorne had 56 minutes in possession compared to the Swans' 34 minutes in possession in the forward half. Wow. So that's a massive discrepancy, despite the fact this ones had more disposals.
2: And it looks like Hawks had more inside 50s with 63 to 39, so...
0: That's a massive differential.
2: Thumbs up to our defence. I mean, our defence has been critiqued in the last couple of weeks with our losses, but it looks like the boys really stepped up.
0: Yeah, they did. And if you have a look, uh, I don't know how many of you would actually have the AFL app on your phone, but if you do, you can get a look at the heat maps, Sydney Swans, obviously, most of the heat was in the back half. It was literally in, like, about 80% was in the mm. back 50 <laughs> to a little bit in the centre square. Almost all of Hawthorne's was on the far wing, and uh, they were obviously couldn't really get out of it because they didn't really have much in back or back forward. Penny, are there any additional stats you would like to sort of mention there?
2: Um, Jack Gunston kicked five goals three, and he kicked one goal three in the last quarter, so... Usually for someone who's very efficient at kicking goals, he kind of had a bit of a mess up, so...
0: Yeah, he could have won that game for the Hawks in the last quarter, which is something Clarko uh, failed to mention when he ranted (laughs) in the press conference. So yeah, the Swans went 5-zip in the last quarter, and the Hawks went 1-5, so that was pretty much the main difference there. Uh then also Grundy took a really important chess mark and you know, I think with about more well, two minutes left, and that was before they moved it down the length of the ground and eventually got it onto uh Rowan who drove along to Ronki. Or Ronk, however it's pronounced. Ron- ronk, Ronky. ronk Ronk. Yeah, we've got to get that one right. Ronk. Ronk. Nothing yeah. to ronk with this boy.
2: <laughs> oh that was a terrible pun, Justin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're all terrible when you use his name like that. Now, uh, Ronk obviously recorded the fastest speed of the match at 32.8 kilometers an hour, and that was when he chased down, oh, I can't remember, the Hawks defender for the second goal.
2: I don't remember.
0: Well, Papley kicked it forward out of the pack, and uh, obviously was still trying to get into the ground at this point, but he kicked it forward out of the pack, uh, and then I'm not quite sure who it was, might have been, um, uh, I'm not sure, but uh, he basically chased him down from about 15 meters away. The guy had a 15-meter head start, and he chased him down, bumped him off the ball, and just dribbled it through. It was an absolutely sensational goal. I think
2: it was Taylor Giray for me. Yeah, Maybe. it might
0: have been. Yeah, yeah. and he's no slouch either. He's one no, of the yeah. quickest players in the team. And uh, the one thing that really surprised me was Jarrett McVay had the fastest average speed in defence for both teams at nine point eight kilometres an hour.
2: Jarrod McVeigh's on fire. We should, do- if he keeps going the way he's going, we should definitely re-sign him for another year. I mean, oh yeah, his effort against the Bulldogs, his effort against Hawthorn. I mean, people say he's too old, too slow, but you know, he's been. One of the key linchpins of our back line.
0: Yeah, look, he he was probably exploited a little bit last week against the Roos. Uh, Hartung really did a number on him on a few times, especially that goal, that touched goal. But I thought he was really, really good in defence.
2: Yes, he was.
0: Yeah, so uh, Jarrett McAvey led the defence brilliantly, certainly off the half-back line. Uh, Jake Lloyd in his 100th match was really, really good Uh, He finished with some very, very big numbers as well Uh, And most importantly, he actually finished with game-high meters gained Which was absolutely phenomenal Uh, It was, I'm just pulling it up right now he had 36 disposals went at 72% and almost all of those were in the defensive half of the ground he had six score involvements ended up with a goal assist 12 pressure acts and 629 meters gained
2: good work Lloydy.
0: now the coaches votes came in tonight so ronk obviously got the 10 there was no that was never in doubt parker was second with seven so oh, that's uh okay. that's a four from probably longmire and a three from clarkson oh. And then, well, at uh,
2: least Clarkson gave him a three.
0: <laughs> Gunston got, I think, five, and Lloyd came in with three. So that's probably just uh, Longmire giving him a three there. Now, Grundy as well, he was very, very good coming out of defense. He was rarely beaten. Another game where he wound up with more than 20 disposals, uh, eight or more marks, and above 90% disposal efficiency, which is absolutely unheard of for this guy who was once considered the turnover king. And again, 400 metres plus metres gained
2: He's, He played so well He played really well So this is for you, Amy Grundy played great
0: <laughs> Yeah, he did Now, um, it's uh, it's a really good performance overall But uh, we certainly can't go past it without At least giving Kieran Jack a bit of kudos there Now, probably a little bit critical in the play ratings. Yes In, in reflect, uh, he probably deserved a bit more He certainly set up Hayward's last goal um, I did say in the player ratings, though, that I, I like what he does. He still wins the ball. So what I wrote was he needs to clean up his disposal efficiency. He does so much great work, wins his own ball, and moves the ball forward quickly and directly, but he still misses too much. Uh, and he still goes at pretty much one out of two hitting a target, which is probably not really high enough. But that impressive pass to Hayward got us back in the game and gave us a chance.
2: Yeah, like, it's really different, I guess, when you see a player... Playing live at a match, and then you watch the replay on the TV, yeah. and you actually think, Oh, they had a shocker. But then you actually watch and go, You know, you only see a certain part on the ground. Yeah. I think, Oh, well, he actually played pretty good. I remember <laughs> um, in the 2000, oh, one of the grand finals um, when O'Keefe got the Norm Smith, my mum was like, He did nothing. And then she watched him and goes, Oh, he actually did. So <laughs> I think perspective is. Um, yeah, different to people, and you probably were a bit harsh on Kieran Jack. But- probably
0: a bit harsh, and certainly on something I put on Facebook, which uh, got mixed mixed responses in the end. But, uh, look, I think everyone would agree that we would definitely like him in the team, and he's still best 22 when he's uh, in, in form. And the good thing is his form is going up, and he's looking more and more like his old self. Uh, I think maybe he suffered without Hanover in the team because he's picking up that role and that, that sort of inside midfielder a bit like... Like Hanbury is, hmm. but he's more suited to a forward flanker, almost forward pocket, without like forward line pressure.
2: Exactly, and um, Swans are usually slow burners, so I think he'll just he'll have a really good season. He'll keep yeah. going. He's signed for next year, I think. For memory,
0: he is. Yes. So uh, we had a we we're talking about it um, on the on the podcast. Uh, we've talked about Kieran Jack a few times this year, uh, whether or not he will go around again next year. I think if his uh, form keeps trending up. Definitely, he'd keep going around. I think he's a fantastic leader. He's, his leadership has never been in question at the club. Uh, he's, he worked with Hanabury. hannabury was uh, singing his praises uh, many years ago. Um, he worked with Florent. He's worked with Hayward. He's now working with Ronk. Ronk is singing his praises. Just about every young player who's gone through that side has sung his praises.
2: So I think he does a lot more off the field than yeah. So he's beneficial, so...
0: Oh, he certainly is, and look, uh, another player who I felt was really, really uh, impressive for the Swans definitely had their best game, best career game so far. With Oli, was uh, little Ollie Florent.
2: Yeah, he did great. Like I, as I was at the game with you, I really didn't think he did that much, and then obviously watching the replay, I was like, God, he did some really good things in his pressure and his tackling and his intensity. So. I mean this kid started with us last season, if I'm correct. Yes. And he's just gone from strength to strength. Obviously he's gonna have down games and he's gonna have great games, but he's sort of trying to make really good games string string a couple together in a really good um
0: Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Just on, on Florent, we talked about him a fair bit last year and I don't think we we're ever sort of on the kind of on a fence or anything like that. We always thought He's got some talent. He looks like he can play. It's just a a physique issue at the time. He's just too small. He's not quite ready for AFL. He's just not physically ready. Uh, We started at the the start of the season. We're talking on the cast again, and it's kind of like, well, he looks ready, but he's probably not confident enough yet. And I remember having that discussion with Heather Quinlan maybe six or seven weeks ago, and then he's shown some serious flashes and some serious quality so far in the last six weeks, and then this week just bang, and Longmire said he has that perfect balance of inside and outside, and he showed it. He showed it in spades against the Hawks. He was—if there was more votes, uh, I actually put him in our votes uh, for the Player of the Year. I believe I gave him one. I reckon if um, if there was more coaches' votes, he would have picked up a, a couple of coaches' votes. I think.
2: Definitely. I mean, you saw what he was capable of in the Bulldogs game, and it's hard for these young boys because they're put into a team and you know, they have this expectation to play really well because yep. you've got to play really well to keep your spot and if you have a, you know, a bad match, people are like, oh, he needs to knee, f- go back to the Need knee force. Yeah. So, you know, he's doing, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes and Longmire's keeping him in for a g- good reason, so we're starting to see what that good reason is and I guess, like, with any sport, the more you, um the more game time you get, the more your confidence grows and we get to see, you know the good reason behind him with him haywood and ronk
0: yeah absolutely now before we move on to the next part just uh some more information about florent just uh just in case you didn't know uh it was his uh most disposals collected in a game um but also most of his disposals picked up was actually spent in the center square oh. he finished with five clearances five tackles and almost game high 26 uh uh, sorry, 23 pressure acts So he was fantastic yeah. uh, it, That was Josh Kennedy was 26 So just misreading from the one line But he did finish with five clearances And 382 metres gained
2: That's really great It's good to get out, you know Midfield is getting some support from the up-and-comers So
0: And Haywood spent quite a bit of time in the centre square as well He actually had a couple did of he? Uh, Yeah, he had a couple of centre clearances wow. in the first quarter So he's playing uh, He's not really playing as a forward He's playing almost as a flanker who runs into the middle
2: Oh, well, that's good That's what we need Kennedy and Co. need some support, so the more that you put these young guys in, the more they're going to learn, and who better to learn from than Josh Kennedy?
0: Oh, undoubtedly so. And Parker had another ripper of a game. Uh, then you yeah. look at uh, Dean Towers, probably didn't have a very good game, but Gary Rowan was really impressive at times, and he certainly uh, set up that match winner and was pretty big in that last quarter, had a couple of really massive moments. Uh, Dane Rampy was uh, decent. Uh, he was okay. Um, Dan Robinson probably had his one of his best, if not his best career game, and he was really good. Uh, Hewitt shut down Mitchell. He did a fantastic job. And McCartan showed the kind of player he could be, which is uh, almost like a smaller Sam Reed that plays higher up the ground. So he could even be like a tall winger or a he, tall forward flanker.
2: Exactly. I mean, I've had this discussion with a certain um, Swans fan about the efficiency <laughs> of Gary Rowan, and you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, about. We, we know
0: who we're talking about.
2: Um. And I know there's been a lot of criticism on Rowan because he doesn't have 30 possessions every week. But you know, I think he's one of those players that is never going to have 30 possessions every week. I think what he does for the team is those the little things, yeah, the the quick wins, like the kick to Ronk, the tackling, the hand passing. You know, Longmire's keeping in for a week, so he's not going out there and looking like he doesn't want to be bothered he's actually yeah. going out there and giving it his all and trying and you know one game that's actually going to all come together and he's going to we're going to see more of his brilliance and um as i said with that so-called cool. that other Gary Rowan fan. It yeah. will happen when the Swans make the grand final this year. So,
0: well, uh, hopefully he—he's uh, had a couple of dreadful grand finals, fair to say, but uh,
2: some most Swans players do. Oh, so,
0: one of your favourites has had a couple of dreadful grand finals as well.
2: Ah, uh, let's not talk about that. I think we shall we're,
0: remain unnamed.
2: We're diverting <laughs> off the topic, um, but Gary Rowan,
1: good on him. Yeah, look on him,
2: everything he's been through this yeah. year, and you know. One day he's going to have that great, awesome game and put all the...
0: Yeah, look, uh, I think with the spread of goal kickers, obviously not against the Hawks, we only have four. But typically in in, uh, recent times, we have had a decent spread of goal Mm. kickers. Uh, It's quite ironic, actually, because Gunston and Bruce kicked eight of the Hawks' 10 goals and Ronk and Hayward kicked 10 of the Swans' five goals. So there's, like, absolutely no spread whatsoever between the two teams. I only had four goal kickers each.
2: Well, if... You know, you've got a guy who's on fire kicking goals. Why Give not? Give it to him. Yep. Give it to him.
0: Now, look, Gunston probably would have been best on the ground if it wasn't for Ronk kicking that bag.
2: Yes, he would have been. He, he almost won the game for Hawthorne off his own boot again. And He
0: was uh, he was electric. That was probably the best game he's played since their premiership years. I'd he's, say easily the exactly. best Exactly.
2: He's gone quiet recently in the last year and a bit, and I guess now that Roughheads starting to... Get a bit older, you know, Gunston's, I think he's still young from memory.
0: I think he's about 26, 27, maybe 28, yeah. I'm not sure.
2: So Gunston's like, he's like almost Sam Reed. Gunston. Yeah. He's got that untapped, like he's got that great potential and we almost saw it on the weekend, so.
0: Well, fortunately he kicked that point in the 2012 Grand Final.
2: Yes, yes, I, I remember <laughs> that. I'm like watching it going, oh no, he's the dead eye. I can't, say dick. I can't say dick, can yeah, I? Yeah, you can. Okay. Um, he's, sorry, I didn't know if this was PG. He's the dead-eyed dick, and he's going to kick a goal, and we're going to lose, and then he, hits, he kicks a point, and I was like...
0: We're still in it. We're
2: still in it! But anyway, diverging <laughs> off topic.
0: Yeah. Now, look, before we move on to the next part, uh, just a couple more sort of points from the game. Uh, both coaches described it, and even the commentary described it, as a very open-style um, game, despite the fact that um, the Hawks have more forward time uh, and also... Way more inside 50s, 24 more inside 50s. Uh, I think the proof is in the pudding now. The Swans game plan now suits them on large grounds. Now it's just a case they've got to find that balance so they can win on the SCG. And if they can keep that winning form away from home, they're going to be a very, very difficult team to stop. Now, the Swans, that was the first time they've beaten the Hawks in four games. Yes. But... They've actually beaten them three of the last four times at the MCG, so they actually hold a pretty good record there. Uh, Sinclair and McAvoy was one of our matchups for the game, and for the most part, they were pretty much equal, but in the end, McAvoy was probably their third, second or third best player. Um, as we said before, Gary Rowan and Kieran Jack had some massive moments in the last quarter. Uh, Hayward's kicked nine goals from his last three games, three in each game. Now, he's, he can play. I know, he can play. He can definitely play. He's going to have to keep, uh, keep that form up at least for another week or two uh, before Franklin comes back. So
2: I'd like to keep him up for the rest of the season, or just oh, the yeah, I'd week like or him. two.
0: <laughs> if he can average three goals a game for the rest of the season, he's averaging Franklin numbers.
2: <laughs> well, it's good. It means we have a spread of goal kickers. I mean, when other teams come to play, us, they think, oh, we have to go to Franklin, but yeah. hey, who's going to look at Haywood, and who's going to go to Rock, and if he's still in the team? Yeah, exactly. Sure he should be. And then another one that's going a bit of a quiet at the moment is little Papley so once yeah, he gets into exactly. it we're
0: um well Papley's spending uh, almost about 80% of his time in the midfield at the moment because is out mm. so he's playing almost what Ben McGlynn used to do and then you, of course you've got Sam Reid which will free up Rowan to be a bit more attacking and a bit more aggressive so it's it's really positive um I guess when you're looking at it in further down the road after the buy about what that team makeup could actually look like they could look like a real genuine goal scoring machine
2: Exactly and sometimes you need those games to unfortunately you need those losses to say hey this is where we are and this is where we need to go and beating your nemesis at the MCG is a good oh, way to a good about, way to it's a good way to start the se- get a season going Best
0: way to start especially the uh scum <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope. hopefully we keep that winning form yep. going and the next three games will certainly give us a bit of breathing space, but yep. a week is a long time in football, so I don't want to be here next Monday dissecting the free No, loss.
0: <laughs> no. no, we have to turn this uh, dreadful home form uh, around. Now, just one note, uh, I actually forgot to mention this in my Monday's Moment of Madness, it just came to me right now, oh uh, it was after the match actually. Uh, now, I just thought of this because I was about to say the Hawthorne supporters were actually quite good when we we're leaving the ground. They didn't arc up. It was about the first time in about four or five years. It's been like that. Now, obviously, uh, one particular individual cut a very sulking figure on the sidelines and he had a very dirty, sour look on his face. That would be one Alistair Clarkson, who did not join the players or the or John Wongmeyer for the Beyond Blue presentation. Well, He just stood on the sidelines, arm crossed, like a little pissed off peacock.
2: Well, I'm sorry, but that's ridiculous because beyond blue is a very important cause i mean i don't really want to you know go into the specifics of all about beyond blue but it's very important and you know these footballers come together to you know show awareness for it and despite what you think about the game you need to go out there yeah. and support a fantastic cause for beyond blue i certainly know in my line of work that beyond blue is very important
0: oh yeah it is definitely a very important service. And uh, if you ever feel like you need uh, any help or support or you need to reach out, reach out beyond, to Beyond Blue. They're a very good group of people over there. Now, this is
2: not sponsored by This beyond is not Blue. sponsored,
0: <laughs> but we do certainly recommend if you ever need to talk to anyone, they are there to help.
2: Anyway, back to the football. Back to the football. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, we'll move on to our Neafil wrap. So, the Swans finally got their very first win of the season. Uh, their goal-kicking form is still utterly dreadful. Uh, they were they led pretty much from the end of the first quarter throughout. I think they only kicked one goal to zip in the first first quarter, and then after that they uh, kicked I think nine goals to four four or five for the rest of the game. So uh, they probably should have won by a fair bit more than they did. They kicked two goals five in the last quarter, so they really need to work on that last quarter goal kicking because it's cost them two games already, and it's cost them two grand finals in the last two years. So they could fix that up. They're uh, looking good.
2: Is Plugger on holidays?
0: Plugger is probably retired again. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. may, maybe they've got Mr. Magoo in there teaching them how to kick goals because well, the seniors and uh, reserves have been equally afflicted by it.
2: Well, the positives is that they're getting into the forward line. I mean, when things will click, they will click. And yeah, so goal kicking is one of those things you can practice it and practice it and practice it. But once you get into the game, it's...
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, another player who keeps popping up on the uh, team list. I don't know much about him. I'm hoping some of the people uh, who listen might know a bit more about him than I do. Adam Tippen Woody.
2: Is he related to...
0: Anthony McDonald? Yes. Yes, it's his cousin. So, uh, they are both originally from the Northern Territory. Uh, Adam was from the Northern Territory as well. It's in his uh, draft profile. I don't really know much about him, uh, what he's doing with the Sydney Swans at the moment. Uh, if he's um, coming through the academy... Or if he's a uh, Sydney Football League top-up player It'd be actually really good if uh, some of our followers Be able to sort of chip in with some information there Because unfortunately I don't really know much about him But he is popping up quite regularly now In the NEFL sort of top 10 list And he's performing quite well And he's kicking goals Darcy Cameron His form is still red hot um, I, I think it's probably getting to that point Where if Sinclair was injured He'd definitely come in And he might even come in Sooner rather than later, anyway. Uh, Harry Marsh had a massive game, a monster game. Uh, from a defender, he finished with 38 disposals.
2: You were very critical of Marsh last week.
0: Well, he can't defend, but maybe they're not making him defend anymore. They might be trying to turn him into a rebounding defender, in which case I would be wrong on him because he has actually been quite decent as a rebounding defender, just not very good at defending. Sorry,
2: um, can you speak up a bit? We didn't hear what you said the last line.
0: Uh, he's uh, been good at rebounding, but uh, not very good at defending.
2: No, the <laughs>
0: other one. I don't remember the other one. I don't remember past one sentence. Oh. <laughs> uh Nick Newman massive game 40 disposals uh he's uh he might even come in this weekend you you don't really know and Colin Awarden has been in really good form for an extended period of time now uh, he's been averaging i think over 30 disposals for about the last four matches so uh, he had another massive one. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the Swans' Niefel team finally got their first win. And um, they, in all honesty, they probably could have had another two before now if their uh, goal kicking was a bit better than what it was.
2: Newman needs to come in. I mean, yeah. he's been out of the side for the last couple of weeks. And if he's played himself back into form, then if he doesn't play in the seniors, we're going to lose him. There's talk of yeah. him being wanting to go elsewhere. Yeah, There's look- talk of him wanting to go elsewhere. So if we can't bring Newman in, then... Sorry, Newman's gone.
0: Yeah, there might be something to play. You never, you never really know. Like, Alia Alia copped a bit last year. Uh, and he was kept out of the side for for injuries and other uh, other reasons that there were rumours based upon, but you just never really know in the end. All right, Penny, are you ready to start?
2: All righty, let's go.
0: Okay, starting. Go. All
2: righty. Ash Oaks from Facebook. Can you explain why Nick Nat gets a week for a good tackle, but others such as Burton, Mitchell, Parker, and McVay get zero for acts that we all expected weeks for? Oh, Ash, that's a really good question. I think the umpiring and the tribunal system is very incoherent at the moment, and I think that Nick Nat was very unlucky. I thought Parker actually was gone when I first saw it, and I think Parker was very lucky. I'm going to pass this over to Justin because I think he might have a bit more (laughs) explanation than me. But thanks, Ash, great question
0: uh my uh I guess my point of view comes from uh doing a little bit of umpiring when I was younger uh nick nats, nick nat's one was in the end he did actually lift him up in the air in the tackle and drove him into the ground and the player ended up concussed so it was it was definitely rough and a bit over the top uh and I don't think he would have got suspended if the player wasn't concussed and that that's pretty much the the reason why there but yeah look parker we we were both at the ground and uh pretty much all the swan supporters around us were yeah uh, we'll be seeing you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I was really surprising when Michael Christensen uh, just came out and said, uh, no, he's okay, he's no other choice. So, yeah, look, uh, the other guys, not too sure about the other guys. But, uh, look, Steve from Twitter, Penny, he asked, do you think Buddy should come back through the Neafels since he's obviously lost his spot to Ronk?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Lance Franklin bringing back when... He needs to be back. I mean, if you put him in the kneeful, like he's got the form, he's proven that he can play. And I think, um,
0: well, he'd be the uh, most expensive player to ever play, uh, reserve footy, pretty <laughs> well, much. Hopefully,
2: the um, the it'd be good following for the kneeful, but no, bring him back,
0: you pull a crowd of about 10,000. It's
2: buddy, bring him back to the seniors, it's what he's there to do, and yeah, bring him back.
0: Now, James from Facebook, he asked, Have Sydney, due to injuries, accidentally stumbled upon the same winning formula as Richmond by having a small high-pressure forward line?
2: Great question, James. I was actually at the North Richmond game, and Richmond looked absolutely dreadful. <laughs> so I actually think that your question is correct because our forward line seems to look a whole lot different with our buddy. I mean, we've got all these different players that are actually popping up, kicking goals. I mean, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, who's Ben Ronk? Yeah, exactly. So I think we've actually stumbled on a pretty good way to to win. And when Buddy comes back, hopefully we can incorporate these boys in the forward line as well, and not be too, as we say, buddy centric.
0: Yeah, not too buddy dependent. Completely agree with you. Yeah,
2: 17 seconds to answer this, Justin.
0: Well, I've uh, I've certainly answered this before, I think. But uh, look, um, it's different game style, different way of the plays that the Swans are playing at the moment, which I think is really good and. It's definitely worked out and look, I don't know if the Swans have intentionally gone high pressure, small forward line. I think it's through necessity, but uh, yeah, look, great questions there from everyone who follows us. Now it is time to wrap up, Penny. It has been fantastic having you on the show. Thank you very much for uh, coming on for oh your my first podcast I'm so
2: sorry everyone that you had to listen to all my dribble.
0: <laughs> no, not at all. As always, you can follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with our tag, The Swans Blog, and you can always get in touch with us during the week for the Swanscast and Swanscast Extra using the hashtag Swanscast or Swanscast Extra. Now, I will be back on Thursday with Heather Quinlan for the Swanscast Extra doing the match preview after the teams have been announced. And as we said before, early team news is Franklin will not be playing. So he is hoping uh, Ronk will boot another 10 or at least 7.
2: No, give someone else a go.
0: (laughs) Well, Rowan, it's your turn.
2: Yeah, go Rowan.